You're listening to the sermon podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming with Pastor Keith Miller. We are in Matthew chapter 7, beginning with verse 13, and this is the word of the Lord. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter it or enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Yeah, you may be seated. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you that we can come before you, and we thank you that we can just enter into um, your just the presence of, your, of who you are and just to be able to sit under your word. God, I ask that you would give us ears to hear, give us hearts that would receive your word, and I thank you for what you're going to do in and through our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, another uh, quick update I forgot to mention. Uh, so the elders will be interviewing a, a candidate that's gone through two phases of the interview process. They'll be interviewing him tomorrow night. You can be praying for that. Uh, and then after that, if that goes well, we're hoping to maybe have him come out the last weekend of February or, or sometime early March. So we've got to figure out traveling arrangements. But, but if, it go, if the interview goes well, we'll fly he, both he and his wife. They, they're a younger couple. They've been married three years. He's 27. I don't know how old his wife is. He's uh, got a Bible college degree, uh, majored in Bible, minored in music, and uh, plays guitar and I think drums and I think keys. But uh, really great guy, looking forward to seeing how the interview goes, and if that goes well, uh, you'll all get to meet him in, in the near future. Okay, so almost forgot that announcement, but I wanted to keep you up to speed as to how that was going. All right, we are uh, coming to the conclusion of this sermon series, so be submitting your topics that you, you would like me to preach on. A whole bunch of them have already been submitted. That, uh, I'm looking forward to that. As is the tradition, or it's become the tradition at the end of a long sermon series, I'll do a Q&A Sunday. So on your, your uh, flyer thing that you received, if you have any questions related to this sermon series, the Sermon on the Mount, anything that you thought was maybe troubling or anything that was confusing or, or whatever, we're going to take a Sunday and just do a Q&A Sunday in place of the sermon. I think they're fun. seems like you've thought that the ones that we've done in the past you've enjoyed. And so uh, fill that out, put your question down, and make sure it's a, you know, it indicates a question related to the Sermon on the Mount series. And then tear this off and put it in the box on your way out. Okay? Sound good? So any question that you have related to the sermon series, uh, at the end of it, so it would be March 1st, I believe, uh, I will take that Sunday and we'll do a Q&A Sunday. And uh, anything related to the sermon series. And then the second Sunday in March, we'll start the new sermon series titled Questionable. And I don't know how long that one will be. Uh, it won't be as long as the Sermon on the Mount series. But it will be fun. All right, now we can get into it. So we find ourselves in this in the, this part of the Sermon on the Mount. It is the what are you going to do with it now? What are you going to do with everything that I said? That's that's Jesus saying in in the form of uh, these statements. And I I didn't know what to call this, but it, it's a series of so you have four statements, and it's like a series of two. It's either you could be this or you could be that. Uh, and so there are two roads you can travel. 
You can choose the, the narrow way or you can choose the wide way or the wide road. There are two teachers you can listen to. One will, will teach you things that pertaining to life and truth and the other uh, will, will, give, <laughs> will teach you things that are not truthful. You can listen, listen to either one of those people. There are two ways to listen to Jesus. You can listen to him and build uh, that you know, build what you listen to him on the, the, the foundation of the rock, which is the Sermon on the Mount, is his teachings. You can build your life upon that. Or you can go a different way and build your life upon sand. And then finally, uh, there's the, there, there are ways that you can... Oh, actually, that was the final thing that I'll say. But there are, there are ways that you can listen to the Lord. You can listen to him and follow him, or you can just listen to him. And uh, that one's pretty, is a scary passage. Many will come to me and say, you know, Lord, Lord. And, and he'll respond to some of those with, I, I, don't, I don't even know you. I don't even know who you are. So these are the, what are you going to do with everything that you, you've heard in the Sermon on the Mount? Uh, there are two ways to live your life. One is popular, the other is not. There are two kinds of teachers. One is truthful, the other is not. There's uh, two foundations you can build your life upon, Jesus or, or whatever you think is right, whatever else you think is right. And this is not uncommon, by the way. All throughout the Bible, you can find examples of God calling his people to make a decision. What are you going to do with what you have heard? Are you going to listen and obey and choose life, or are you going to just say, oh, that was nice, and choose death? And we see multiple examples of this. In Psalm chapter 1, the, the psalmist says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish." And so um, you, you, you can, the righteous listen to the law of the Lord and they obey. Moses preached a series of sermons. There are three sermons collected in a book called Deuteronomy. Uh, I don't know if you knew that, but those are actually a collection of three sermons that Moses preached. And in, towards the end of Deuteronomy, Moses calls on the people says, uh, let's go to the next verse. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him. For he is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land of the, that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. Meaning, Moses is saying, choose to obey, which is, Choose life or choose death, which is to disobey. Find your own gods to worship. Worship a golden calf. You know, find another, uh, another code of ethics to live by. But if you do that, you're choosing death. And then Joshua, who took over Moses' ministry and leadership role, you know, the whole book of Joshua is about Joshua. At the end of that... Shortly before Joshua died, he said this to the people, 
And maybe some of you might have a verse out of this in your homes, right? You're familiar with it. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day who you will serve. Recognize that verse? Choose this day who you will serve. Uh, It's not talking about just your house. (laughs) It's talking about your life. How are you going to live your life? Uh, And so he goes on to say, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, what? We will serve the Lord. And so, uh, so it's pretty common. Like God sets before his people the, the truth of his word, and then he, then he asks them, choose, what are you going to do with this? Jesus does the same thing. He does the same thing here. What are you going to do? On uh, July 31st, I preached uh, on Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. And the title of my sermon was Joy in the Fire. And it's that section in the Beatitudes that talks about persecution. Blessed are those who are persecuted <clears throat> for my name's sake. And I had shared with you, if you were there, I shared with you a, a type of uh, way of viewing the teachings of Jesus and the teachings of the New Testament. And it's called uh, Sandemanianism. It's also known as free grace theology. Now, you know, like this, this is why I'm sharing it with you. There is this belief that I can, be, I can become a Christian and that discipleship is optional. That's, that's this view and this view. They're both the same. It's just, this is what it's called today. Um, I, can, I can believe in Jesus and I do not have to be a friend of Jesus. That's actually in some of their literature. And uh, it's popular amongst some regions in our country, in some, of, some regions in our country. There's a guy, uh, <clears throat> maybe you may know his name, Oswald Chambers, who wrote a devotional. It's really popular. And a, a lot of what's in the devotional is great. But I was, I was actually reading his, his uh, sermon on the, on the Sermon on the Mount, and he said this, Now, he lived in the late 1800s and died in the early 1900s. And this is what he said. Just listen. He said, There is a difference between salvation and discipleship. A man or a woman can be saved by God's grace without becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so I was just, I I ask you, does that jive with anything that that we see in the Sermon on the Mount? Like, does it jive with anything that Jesus says in these last four paragraphs of the Sermon on the Mount? Choose which way you're going to walk. Now, Jesus is not saying you need to earn your salvation. He's not saying by doing this you earn your way into my kingdom or you earn uh, the forgiveness of, of God for your sins. He's not saying that at all. But he is calling us to action. If you are going to believe in me, then therefore you must follow me. Discipleship and and belief in Jesus are part of the same coin. (laughs) On one side is believe. On the other side is follow me. If you really believe in him, you're going to follow him. And and so I just want to unpack this for you. And this is is like part one of a four-part sermon, uh, if you will, because everything that he says as he concludes his sermon here is, is connected. Um, so 
what does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, in three, chap- three chapters later, Jesus says this. Let's go, let's go to the next passage. Let's read this together. Ready? Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will what? Find it. So there are two ways uh, to live. So my first point is like, there are two ways to live. And, uh, and so we're faced with an ultimatum in verse 13. And he says, again, uh, enter the narrow gate. And he's not just saying, he's not just suggesting this. He's, this is like, a, this is a demand. This is a, uh, it's an appeal of de- desperation. Do this, like, because your life depends upon it. So we're faced with this ultimatum. One way is easy, the other way is hard. What's ironic about this is that the wide, the, the wide gate that leads to destruction, it's easy to travel but it ends with destruction. And as I said like, during our communion time, uh, the narrow gate is, is hard, and I don't think it's hard because you have to do stuff to get, to get in there and to get on that path. It's hard because it's, it's, it's got the most resistance. The world resists it. Uh, I'll give you an example. So uh, there are certain shows that, that, I, that I like to watch, and uh, I, <laughs> don't judge me, or you can, you can judge me, um, but I, I like sci-fi, I like, um, I, I like the whole apocalyptic genre, I like the zombie genre, as long as it's not over the top, gratuitous, uh, as long as it's driven by story and characters. And like just this week, just this week, and some of you already know what I'm talking about. Just this week, there's there's an episode where the whole episode was between uh, two gay men, and it ended with uh, them one wanting to die uh, by suicide because he had cancer and didn't want to suffer, and the other one assisted him and also took his own life. And you know what the media said about it? This is the best episode ever in history. Like, this, this is just so powerful. This is just so amazing. And like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's horrible for so many different reasons. Like, like to, to romanticize suicide and assisted suicide, for starters, like, that is not life. And, and, and so the world's like hailing that, oh, this is the greatest thing ever, uh, you, you know, when, on Facebook and every, every other uh, medium of social media. And, and like, I just read a story yesterday of, of, a, of a, I don't even know what missionaries they were. So I don't know if they were affiliated with a cult, a, denomin- a denomination, I don't know. I, after I read the story, I, I didn't want to go any further. I just, it was depressing. But there's this daughter who suffered from, from a, form, a type of mental illness. I don't know exactly what, but it was definitely, at the very least, she suffered from depression, but she was hearing voices, and so that was in the article. And she didn't want to live anymore. And so COVID happened, and the family, kind of, they were somewhat social before COVID happened. Then when COVID happened, they, they just 
nobody really saw that much of them outside of their home. And then and in the article they found so they found the daughter and her her mom and her dad's bodies in their backyard, I believe. And because the daughter wanted to end her life, mom and dad didn't want her to die alone. So so what happened? Uh from, according to the story, and there, was a, there were notes that were written by uh, the parents. I don't know if there was a note written by the daughter, but uh, maybe, it, maybe it was. The, the wife used, uh, it was all gunshot, gunshot, um, gunshot wounds to the head, ter- terminal wounds to the head. So the wife shot the husband. Um, the wife, because the husband's hands were too, he was too shaky to pull the, the the trigger on himself. The wife tried to to pull the trigger on her on her own self after she shot her husband in the head. And then the daughter helped her pull the trigger on her own self and then the daughter ended her life. Like how's that how's that life? But our world will say, you know what? Assisted suicide is a, it should be a thing. People should be able to have the ability to, to end their life. And Jesus like, is telling us here, there is a better way. And that better way is to follow this God who created us and molded us in his image. Like We, we exist for him. And, and everything about us, everything in us, is made to know him. And, and by knowing him, it doesn't mean that your life is going to be easy. It doesn't mean that cancer is not going to you know, enter into your household. It doesn't mean that... The, the, you're, you're going to be able to get the things that you want or, or not want. It, it doesn't mean, like I, I, had, a, I had a meeting this week of a, with someone whose, whose spouse wants to end their marriage. And so that was not in her cards, and she's a follower of Jesus. And so just following Jesus doesn't mean everything's going to go your way. But where it leads to is life. But the world says, no, follow our way. It's wide, and it's wide because... Of, a lot of people are traveling that way, and uh, and you can you can make life the way you you want it. You can find your own identity. It doesn't matter what God thinks or says. You can you can choose your own you, the, the the steps in which you want to walk, and 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 it's all good. And all of this is, is a mirage. It's a mirage of joy, satisfaction, peace, all those things. And in the end, it leads to death. Jesus said that why that road is wide, and it's easy because most people are on it. And so Jesus calls us to action. He calls us to make a decision. What are we going to do with the life that he's given us? What are we going to do with the sermon that he has preached to us? Are we going to enter the narrow gate, or are we going to choose the wide gate? Like the narrow gate is so narrow that there's no room for your pride. There's no room for your self-righteousness. In fact, the only way to enter that gate is naked. And in entering that gate, you're clothed with the righteousness of Christ. But, to, but, but, the, but that path leads to life. You know, the wide road, you can take anything you want. Take your pride, take your arrogance, take your righteousness, your self-made righteousness, take whatever identity you ascribe to yourself, take all of that with you. But in the end, it leads to death. 
and, uh, and I think at the epitaph of, of those who walk on the wide, the wide road or the wide way, it's something we read about, we read in Judges, chapter 21, verse 25. Every, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And so what are we going to do with Jesus' words? Right? I mean, think about it. Because here's the, the easy thing for us to do. The easy thing is to, to me to finish preaching this sermon for you to either say, that was a good sermon, or I didn't agree with what Pastor Keith said, or, you know, I really liked some of the songs we sang, or I really didn't like what we sang, or, you know, you, the list goes on, and completely forget, forget about everything that we encountered in the Sermon on the Mount. Or, you can consider what is it that the Lord wants me to take from this, and how am I to apply this to my life? What kind of man or what kind of woman is he calling me to be? You know, what, is this, what does this narrow road look like? What are, what are going to be some of the costs that, that I will experience in choosing this narrow way? And am I still going to walk this narrow way? The Sermon on the Mount, like I said, is a description of what it looks like to follow Jesus. And I just, you know, I, when, I was, when I was working on this sermon, I was, uh, as I was thinking about this, like, it is good news that there is no room for my pride to enter this narrow, for me to enter this narrow way. It is good news that there's, there's no room for my self-righteousness there's, there's no room for what I think is best for my life in following Jesus. Like, do you hear the echoes of the Beatitudes, the first three Beatitudes? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those, blessed are those who mourn over their sin. You know, blessed are the meek. You know, blessed are the poor in spirit. They, they arrive at the cross with recognizing I have nothing to bring in terms of my own righteousness. I need a righteousness outside of myself. Blessed are those who mourn. I recognize my sin is what it is, and I grieve over it, but I know that the Savior died in my place for my sins. And blessed are the meek that I'm, I'm going to lay down my pride. You know, what I think is best for my life, I'm laying it down before the, feet of the, or the, the foot of the cross. I uh, read this statement from... from a pastor, and I'll, I'll read it for you. The words are not on the screen. It says, Jesus' way is not for people who want Jesus without, a, without any change in their lives. Listen. <laughs> he says, Jesus' way is not for people who want Jesus without any change in their lives. It is only for those who seek it with all their hearts. The good news is that although the gate is narrow, it is wide enough to accommodate the chief of sinners. Like Paul recognized himself as the chief of sinners. And you think about the Apostle Paul's life. What do you know of the Apostle Paul? Like before he became a Christian, he was responsible for the, the, the death and murder of a guy by the name of Stephen. Like although the way of Jesus is narrow, it is wide enough to accommodate the chief of sinners. That's you and that's me. Jesus is the narrow gate, and every other option outside of Jesus is the wide road. So there are only two roads before us, or two ways before us. It's Jesus or everything else. 
And the world's like, the world says, well, you know, the, the way we go, this, this leads to life. This is, this, is the, you know, this is where joy could be found. This is all those things. And this is where you can find your version of God. And as I think about that, you know, on the, on the wide road, they'll say, yeah, this is, this is the way that you can get to whatever heaven you think heaven is. And I was thinking, you know, yeah, it's true. The wide road le- leads to God, but it leads to him as judge, not as father. And Jesus' way, uh, the, the narrow way, the, it leads to God, but it leads to him as father. Jesus said, you know, this is not the only place. He said, I'm the only way you know, to heaven. I'm the only way to life. He said it a bunch of times. He said this. He said, I'm the bread of life. So only he can satisfy our hunger for righteousness. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. So only he can light up the darkness of the world. He said, I am the door of the sheep. So only he can lead to eternal life. He said, I am the good shepherd, so only he could provide safe passage to heaven. He said, I am the resurrection and the, and, and the life, so only he can provide victory over death. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, so only he is the better way. Right? And so this is who we follow, brothers and sisters. And the reason why Jesus' way is hard is because of something we read in the Gospels, in the Gospel of John. Jesus said, people love darkness rather than the light. That's why it's hard. It's hard to find. Because they're looking for so many different ways to get there, to, get, to experience life, to, to, to get to heaven, to, to find their identity. And they're looking for all these different ways to be able to do that. But there's only one way, and it's exclusive. It is the only cure for our sin. And that is Jesus Christ. Again, this pastor said this. He said, it is easy to fall in step with the, with the crowd. You can even add Jesus to all your treasured sins and possessions and, and feel religious. You can go to church and be as active or as passive as you desire. You never have to deny yourself or take up your cross. The only problem is that the natural way ends in disaster. It ends in destruction. Um, you can embrace Jesus, uh, his call to discipleship, but it's the narrow way. It's not popular. The walk is not easy. How many of you think following Jesus is easy? I don't. Um, a lot of that is because of my own flesh and some of the pressures that, that exist around me. Like I wanted, like I'll, I'll, just, I'll be vulnerable right now. Like I wanted to put something on Facebook to say to 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 state something about that episode that uh, my son my son and I watched this past Sunday, and uh, you know, if I'm honest, I was concerned about just just the noise that would ac- would accumulate on my Facebook page with uh, like 80 percent of the people that are you know friends on my Facebook page who don't know Jesus. The way of Jesus is hard because it's, it's the most resistance. Like if you follow Jesus, you're considered narrow. If you believe everything that Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount and in the Gospels, if you believe the Bible, you're considered bigoted. In, a, in our youth group, uh, when we met was it last, or two weeks ago, I had the, I had the kids do, uh, I call them kids, they probably don't want me to call them kids, but 
Um, I'm 48, so I can call them kids. But we, uh, so I asked them, I said, hey, look up, look up phobia for me. Just uh, two of you, just look up phobia on your phone. I know you all have phones, so look up phobia. So two of them looked up phobia from different, two different websites, and I just wrote down the, you know, the definite, just keywords in the definition of phobia, and just kind of created a list. And I said, okay, so this is what a phobia is. And then I had a, I had a list of crazy phobias that I thought were funny, like nomophobia. And I asked them, do you know what that means? And uh, nobody knew what, what it meant. And I said, it's the fear of not having your cell phone. I think some of you probably suffer from that phobia. Like, and so we just went through that. And then I just, and I asked, then I finally asked, you know, so, so we, I said, you have peers around you, you have teachers in your schools, you, you, you're surrounded by people who think that because you believe in what we now call a traditional view of marriage, which is actually a biblical view of marriage between a man and a woman in the, within the covenant of marriage, that you now suffer from a type of phobia. And that is the wide road. And to believe what Jesus said, it's hard because it's most resisted. And Jesus even warned us. He said, you know, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Like the world, the, 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 I mean, when I say world, I mean like the spirit of the age. Um, the, the, just the spirit that dominates our, you know, the cultures of, of, of earth. <laughs> it is resistant against the go- to, towards the gospel. And so here we are, we find ourselves in you know, the, the last section of the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is calling us to action. What are you going to do? Because it's easy to play the church game. It's easy to, be, to, to pretend to be religious. It's easy to talk and to say religious stuff. But what are you going to do with what Jesus preached to his people, which is us, in this sermon? What are you going to do with that? You know, I was, I was thinking about just all the things that we've, that we've unpacked together in, in the Sermon on the Mount. Like, what are you going to do with that thing that he says about hungering and thirsting for righteousness? What are you going to look for to satisfy that hunger? Social media? <laughs> you know, um, the latest movie or episode on, on TV, what your friends think or what your family thinks? Or will Jesus be the satisfaction of your soul? Like, what are you going to do with what he said uh, concerning anger and how we treat our neighbors and how we treat each other? What are you going to do with that? Because it's so easy to hang on, hang on to anger and to hang on to resentment. But Jesus said, you need to forgive. You need to, you need to give the same kind of mercy that you've experienced. You need to be willing to, to give that kind of mercy and that kind of forgiveness. What, what are you going to do with what he said there about anger or lust? You know, where, where you focus your eyes and your, and your heart. What are you going to do with what he said there? What are you going to do with what he said about divorce? Which is like, that's, <laughs> I, I mean, you know, some of you were here. When I preached on that section, my, my heart rate was like through the roof. I'm like, well, I know we have a bunch of divorcees in, in Meadowbrook. 
What are you going to do with what he said about divorce? Like if you're in a marriage right now and you're like thinking when you're thinking to yourself, I don't know if I want to be in this marriage much longer, what are you going to do with what Jesus said? Or what are you going to do with, you know, promises, making promises? What are you going to do with retaliation? Somebody, somebody you know, rubs you wrong or, or, or does a disservice to you or, or treats you poorly. What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with loving your enemies? What are you going to do with giving to the needy? What are you going to do with the Lord's Prayer? Do you really, do you really mean what you pray? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Like, to what end do you want his name to be hallowed? In your life. <laughs> In your heart, to what end do you want his kingdom to come? To what end do you want his will to be done in your life? Because we're really, we're fine with saying that, but, but when his will, you know, intrudes in, in our life and it, cha- and, and it affects our perceived course of, you know, action or, or where we would like to go and his will shifts that, are you going to be okay with that? What are you going to do with that? When you pray, your will be done. Do you really mean it? on earth as it is in heaven? Are you really dependent upon him? That, that, that he's able to take care of your tomorrows? Do you really believe that he's Elohim who creates out of nothing, that he's Yahweh who, for, who honors his promises and he's faithful even when we're faithless, and that he's Adonai, that he's sovereign and he doesn't get frustrated like we do? What are you going to do with you know, that part of the prayer? Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are indebted to us. Who do you have to forgive that you're not willing to forgive? And, and lead us not into temptation. I unpacked that in a whole Sunday sermon. Like, what, is that, what does that look like? What does that look like? I mean, it's, it's the prayer and it's the petition of the Lord. Lord, please keep me. Do not let me go. And whatever it is, that's before me, and maybe in the, in the context of suffering or whatever it is that threatens to undo me in a way that I would be tempted to throw in the towel on, on my faith, um, keep me. Like, are you praying to that end? And then, what logs are you willing to pull out of your eye before you point out the speck in your brother's eye? Like, how, how fast do you run to the Lord knowing that it's him we need help from to, to, to live out our lives as followers of Jesus? He is the secret sauce. <laughs> the way you live out the Sermon on the Mount is following Jesus. Who we can go to our Heavenly Father and we can ask and it will be given. We can seek and we will find. We can knock and the door will be opened to us. So enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So I just want, just want to conclude our time in prayer. And I just want, I just want us to collectively just... Just let's, just not, let's not just get up and leave. Let's, before you, before you leave today, let's just, let's just go before the Lord and let the Word of God settle on your heart. Just let it settle on your heart. That's called meditating on the Lord. So if you have a Bible, 
One way you can do that is just have your Bible open or your digital device. Have it to that passage in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. And just before, before you leave today, just, just pray. Just ask the Lord, Lord, what does it look like for me to walk this narrow way? And what is it that I'm, that I'm holding on to that you're telling me I need to let go of? Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.